Welcome to the Colorful Clipboard, where we discuss the building blocks of making dough and childcare. I'm Kate. And I'm Carrie. And today's topic is first impression. And Kate's first impression is to laugh and laugh and laugh. All right. So today we're going to talk about a couple of different uh, first impressions. And we're going to talk about child care centers and how important first impressions are to you being a successful child care program. So I've got today's story and it's about a facility I'm working with that has a great first impression for the type of care that they offer. They have a circle drive where people can drop off. They also have plenty of parking. They have great signage. But what really gets it is when you open the door, what you see is comfortable seating and a library of parent books and books that the parents can borrow to read with their kids or to read about childcare. You don't see the office of the director or the owner. You can turn because you are like, wow, and you look around and then you see the desk where there is someone sitting, curriculum coordinator or enrollment person. And so you obviously feel like this is a place where parents are valued. And then you walk forward and then there's a long hallway and all the classrooms are off of the hallway. And every classroom has a large window so that you can look into every classroom if it has a wall and some of the rooms actually have half wall off of that hall. It's amazing. It gives a very clear impression that they want to be transparent and that parents are at center. I think it's great. This is so exciting. So a lot of times when we were brainstorming different topics and this particular topic came up, I immediately thought of all of my centers that we've worked with over the years that did not leave a positive first impression. And so I'm really glad that you started with a center that not only gave a great first impression, it matched the type of program they were. And I think that's really key. So before we even get into the building, let's talk a little bit about the HGTV curb appeal. (laughs) Um, Because there are a lot of programs who are great programs, but nobody's going to know just by looking at their building. They have poor signage, the parking, uh, the staff take all the parking. I mean, if people drive up at eight o'clock to drop off their children and there are not open spots, it's because all your staff are there. That's a first easy thing to change. You want to be welcoming to make sure that the parents have the priority. When you're looking at curb appeal, there's a couple of things that we really want you to think about. And Carrie's going to talk about some, but I want you to immediately think about your child care goals. So if you are an academic program and you want the parents to think of your program that way, then that should be something they should be able to tell from the outside. If you are fun and you are exciting, they should be able to tell that from the outside. So one of the places we talk about it first up is the playground. So there's two schools of thought. One is nobody should be able to see your playgrounds from the street. And the other is that everyone should be able to see at least one of your playgrounds from the street. Kate and I have a tendency to err on the side of we want people to see your playground, but that's because your playground should be a selling point. It should be part of why people choose your program. If everything you have on your playground is something that you bought from Little Tykes, maybe go ahead and not have your playground visible from the street. We want your playground to be another classroom. So it should be inviting. It should be interesting. So if you have one of those playgrounds that makes kids want to run and join your playground, then it should be towards the front and it should have 
open fencing like chain link or one of the other types of open fencing as opposed to an eight foot privacy fence. If you're in a neighborhood where you're concerned people are going to jump your fence and use the playground when you're not there, I can see reasons for doing that eight foot privacy fence. Or if you have not yet gotten your playground to the point where it is a selling point, again, the privacy fence can make sense. But my goal is that you have a playground that is a second classroom for your kids and it is a true selling point and every time a kid walks by they want to play on your playground. So I had one of those kids and he did find a child care center with the playground that was perfect for him to the point where I think we ended up with more sand from the playground at our house than was actually in the fall service at the playground and so it really did make a huge difference and so you know think about your own children your own children's experiences your nieces your nephews talk to people a lot of us in the industry might have gotten into the industry when our kids were young, but we stay in the industry because we love it, but we forget some of those things that were the reason we got here. And playgrounds and kids having so much fun with sand and building and Play-Doh. I love Play-Doh. And it really kind of makes me sad that so many centers have moved away from sand on the playground because it is such a great creative device. They can use it wet. They can use it dry. They can dig in it. They can try to dig all the way to China, which one of my daughters tried to do on a regular basis. And she was very distraught that she would come back the next day and her hole had been filled in. But by moving to unitary surfacing, that rubber shredded tire stuff, that is glued together. The kids don't have something to pick up and sort and sieve and stuff like that. So pea gravel and sand, while I know they're rough on your vacuum cleaners, are a much more interesting play surface. So I'm going to advocate for that. I know that is because of the type of care I like to provide. But again, looking at who your customers are, if your customers like everything prim and proper and tidy all the time, unitary surfacing is the right fall surface for your program. So knowing who your clients are is going to help you decide some of that stuff about your playground. So uh, in a previous um, episode, we talked a lot about the demographics and we talked about site selection. And so I think curb appeal and understanding your first impression is a great way to expand your site selection. And again, things with curb appeal you can do immediately. So some of the things that you can still do on that outside, which is pretty easy, is your parking, uh, your driveway, what kind of first impression is is given there. And if you don't have a lot of control over that because of your landlord situation, talk to them. If it's real bumpy or there's a lot of potholes or the lines are not well maintained, even though you may have an incredibly clean inside, somebody's still going to look at that first impression. When's the last time you painted the front door? What kind of shape is your sign in? Is it faded? Is it easy to read? Is there a phone number? Is there a website? Is there a way to contact you on the sign itself? Also, I I don't know what it is about the decision that child care centers make about their signs, but the number of things in pink and bubble gum and pastels drives me crazy. If you want to know what color your sign should be, I want you to close your eyes and think about a store that you can immediately see the logo, Walmart, Ross, 
Target, even Sears had very powerful signage because of the color contrast that they chose. Walmart is blue and white with a pop of yellow. Target is white and red. Ross, again, we're back to the blue and the white. I need you to think through the colors. What color does McDonald's use? It's not an accident that these businesses that have done billions of dollars worth of business choose these colors. If you want to be successful, please do not make your sign yellow and green. It's not going to bring in the clients. It, you may be very fond of those colors. They're not going to bring in the clients. So get a sign, get it in the right colors and make sure there's contact information on the sign so that if you have that playground that is drawing people's attention, they have a way to reach out to you. So important. We are a cell phone community. We drive by them. We have them in our hands all the time. If there is a way for them to call you, chances are they will call you from their car, especially if you are conveniently located. So in addition to the parking lot and we've got the front door and we've got maybe even the, the building facade, if we if you have control over that as well, and we've talked about your signs, but still even walking in that front door, again, is it soft or is it sterile? You know, can you put in some plants? Is that possible? Well, you may not have a place to put in flower beds. You may not have the interest or the time to care for those. So, you know, get a couple of pots, put in some fake flowers, do them seasonally. You might even find that you have a staff person who loves to garden or a parent who that is the one thing that they'd really love to bring and share. Um, it doesn't take much. And those are also great learning opportunities. You can expand those outside of just the front door. You could also do shrubbery, which you have to prune like two days a year, putting in some shrubbery. You can even put in flowering shrubbery. Wherever you live, there are flowering shrubs that are native to the area. You do not have to buy ones that come from halfway across the world. You can buy local shrubs that will look good at your facility and that will occasionally provide a pop of color with flowers. So once people walk in that front door, start thinking about your senses. And this is a great opportunity to think about what do they see? What do they smell? What do they hear? And it's important for you to have people who you don't know. I mean, there used to be mystery shoppers. Everybody used to know what a mystery shopper was and everybody wanted to be that person. And so ask, uh, maybe not your parents, but even your friends, find that brutally honest friend who is going to tell you exactly what they smell when they walk in the door exactly what they hear and for some people that smell of Clorox is awesome for that other was people a selling point for my program people would walk in and smell Clorox or Pine Sol and people loved it however if that is not the smell they get because there has been a flood there is one pharmacy that I go to because it's convenient it definitely is not my favorite pharmacy and every time I walk in the door it smells like mold like that's the smell you smell and it's because they've had roof issues and flooding issues and leak issues and all of these things. And so I realize, I know, but man, if I could just turn around and leave, I would, um, but it's convenient. And so do you have some of those kinds of odor issues going on in your program? Is it that it's not clean? Is it just, it's time to get rid of the carpet because you've had one too many accidents on the carpet. People can smell it. That's going to make a big difference. And not just to your parents, but also to every government agency that has to license you. I mean, if your place smells dirty and they're, do they're to do a health inspection or a license 
licensing inspection, they're going to be looking for that stuff. Yep, that's definitely true. And the sounds are important too. We have, everybody has a bias as to whether they want music in the classroom or they don't want music in the classroom. This is not a battle we're going to fight here. But I want to say that when you choose to have music in the classroom, if it's not managed by the director, it's instead managed by each individual classroom, you may have some lyrics that are not okay in a classroom. If they're just listening to the radio and they're not listening to classical music, there's a good chance there's going to be language that's going to be offensive to one or more of your families. And so I want you to think about that. But the other thing with sound is, is it the sound of happy shrieks of joy or is it a child who is frustrated and nobody's tending to them? There is a difference in the tone of those two things. I can walk into any childcare center and I can tell whether the teachers are attending to unhappy children or not because the shriek of an unhappy child should be followed by the timber of an adult voice. And if it's not, I have a lot of work to do if I'm consulting at that center because those staff don't understand that their primary job is to keep the kids happy and engaged. So what does it sound like? What does it smell like? If you're doing food program, are you giving nice, healthy snacks that taste good or are you giving nothing but animal crackers and Nutella? So so again, that, and that comes back into the smell. So think about, again, if you have choices, think about what rooms are by the front door. Think about where the kitchen is. Think about um, even your best teachers. It's not that we don't love all of our teachers, but I'm sure most programs have that one teacher that really is your advertisement. And so that's where you want uh, you want that person as close to the front office or the front door or the way people are going to see uh, your program. Think really hard about walls and windows. What can you do with them? Again, that comes back to making sure that they're clean. Even though I love kids artwork, think about how much and where uh, we all love. Uh, you know, I'm a huge Disney fan. So, you know, I do love the Disney characters, but I also want you as a program to be real respectful to things like copyrights and understanding that. So think about what murals you put on walls. Think about the artwork that you put on walls. Making sure there's some visual blank space in every room. It shouldn't be all busy all the time. So one wall should not have any artwork. And in some states and counties, there is now a percentage of the walls that can be covered in flammable material. So the amount of your walls that can have bulletin boards with art on them is curtailed in many places by the fire department. So keep that in mind as well. But it's also from an aesthetic first impression point of view, if it is so busy that they cannot see where the parent board is because there's 57 boards in the classroom, how are they supposed to know what's important? I want you to really take a chance, take a moment to look at your center with fresh eyes, invite somebody who is your most honest and forthright friend to come and tour your center when you're not there. Like don't even be in the building, let them do that. And then I think you've got it. I think you can really do some great stuff with your curb appeal. And that brings us to the end of today's Colorful Clipboard. Thank you for listening to the Colorful Clipboard. Connect with us on social media at Colorful Clipboard or send us an email at hello at colorfulclipboard.com. 
on that website. You can send us your own questions and stories as well. If you want to keep learning with us, visit Texas Director, where we offer consulting, seminars, licensing, and more. This show was made for you by me, Carrie Casey. And me, Kate Young. With assistance from Hallie Casey. Our music is by question mark, licensed under question mark, and our visual design is by question mark. If you learned something today, please share the show and like and subscribe us on your favorite podcasting app.